Welcome to Successful Aging, the podcast designed to introduce you to industry professionals who will share information and resources related to aging. I'm your host, Judy Porter, the Development Director from the Nashua Senior Activities Center. Let's get started. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to Successful Aging, the podcast of the Nashua Senior Activities Center. Today, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce Christy and Glenn Badger. They are the proud owners of Assisted Living Locators of New Hampshire, which is a no-cost senior placement and referral service connecting older adults with the right supports and living solutions to them. They cover the entire state of New Hampshire. They had a lot of experiences with their own family and friends, which is why they decided to open Assisted Living Locators. They are both dementia care certified by the Cognitive Care Management Organization of Arizona. They complete all kinds of classes yearly uh, on a variety of topics, and they serve on the board of directors of a number of agencies that deal with seniors and senior care. So they are truthfully some of the most connected people to senior information and resources that you will connect with. Uh, good afternoon, Christy and Glenn. Good afternoon, Judy. Thank you so much for having us. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you. For Thank you for that introduction. You, you two are everywhere. I, I see your posts on Facebook and uh, you are, you cover one end of the state to the next and all types of different living facilities for seniors. I can honestly say the two of you must log more miles than most people I know. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Uh, It definitely feels like we're out a lot, but it's good. It is very good. Uh, The two of you handle all kinds of living arrangements for seniors and can give them guidance. And let me remind everyone, this is no cost. This is no out-of-pocket cost to you. And they are a tremendous senior placement and referral service. So there are a number of different types of senior housing. Can we touch base on the different types of accommodations that seniors would typically encounter? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we um, have the privilege of working with a lot of folks uh, that are at different stages in their journey. So assisted living is not always the appropriate um, living supports for a lot of folks. You know, most people's first choice is to remain in their own home, whether that's the home that they've been in for 65 years on the south end of Manchester and, and raised their family in, or maybe they're in some subsidized housing now because their their assets are getting a little lower and their income are getting lower. But 
people are convinced that they're losing their freedom by transitioning into a community. And, and we'll talk a little bit about those losses of freedom as we go along, but um, rightfully so. People want to remain in their home. That's where they're comfortable. So I think for a lot of people, their first choice is wanting to remain in their home and, and most likely the home that they've lived in with their spouse or raised their families in or whatever over the years. Um, and there's a lot of different resources that can be brought in for those kinds of folks. And I think most people are familiar with a lot of them. There's in-home companion care companies or homemaker companies, which can provide some services like cleaning, lighthouse keeping, uh, companion rides to doctor's appointments and appointments of, you know, uh, dental appointments or shopping trips, uh, even meal prep and those kinds of things. There are some skilled in-home supports that folks can bring in private pay, PT and those things. Uh, even home modifications, things such as grab bars or maybe widening doorways or putting in ramps for, uh, for wheelchair access. Those resources are always wonderful. And for a lot of folks, that is a safe journey and a safe option for them to, to remain in. Um, conversely, I think a lot of folks uh, also look at moving into some sort of an independent living community community, uh, a congregate living community, similar to an assisted living, uh, or actually similar to the apartments that we all had when we were in our early 20s. Uh, these are very often hospitality models. So they will usually provide one to three meals a day, uh, at organized activities, uh, outings, and those kinds of things. Really, those um, those those supports that folks are looking for as far as connecting with other folks in similar situations to them and having some activities and some things to be able to do. So those situations, especially during the pandemic, were a great way for people that are safe in those kinds of settings and yeah. don't really need a lot of help with their activities of daily living um, to stay connected with other folks, to be able to come and go as they please, to see family, and to really kind of have those supports that congregate living brings um, but maybe not have over, you know, have too many supports or be paying for services they really don't need. So for a lot of folks, the next journey past that independent stage, whether that's happening at home or in an apartment or something, uh, is some kind of supported living. I think a lot of people often consider, especially if it's an emergent situation, maybe we've been to the hospital because mom or dad's had some sort of an incident. Uh, a lot of folks are familiar with, with nursing homes from their exposure either through a rehab stay uh, or growing up in the, the Lakes region where we grew up, we were all very familiar with the local county farm. That's where folks tended to, to go before assisted living came along. But there's a lot of different levels to that. And for folks that are in independent living now, whether it's home or, or a community setting, uh, but need a little bit more help with their activities of daily living to stay safe. So maybe they have had some frequent falls. Uh, maybe they're forgetting to take their medications as they're supposed to. Uh, for some folks, it comes down to maybe some cognitive issues. We're getting on towards the middle or end of our journey, and we're starting to, to look for exits, exit-seeking or elopement risk. We're, we're doing unsafe things. We're being combative with our caregivers sometimes and those kinds of things. Um, when folks sort of get to that point in independent living, there are some wonderful options for assisted living. And these are very similar to those larger independent communities that offer uh, those, those hospitality supports that we had talked about. And actually, most assisted livings in the state of New Hampshire offer independent living. You can get the hospitality portion without adding on the care level. Um, but when folks need that care level, 
you can get a lot of those sort of supports in an assisted living. Sometimes it's as simple as making sure that a loved one is taking their meds and eating right. Um, sometimes it's as complex as mom or dad are near the end of their journey and we don't want them passing a nursing home. We'd like to find a nice assisted living that's a good option for them and as I, well. And I so, think that that's very important because for a lot of people, I think assisted living is a very broad brush term and all they think of is something closer to the independent living, but maybe they help give you your medication and you get a meal. That within assisted living, there are different levels that can accommodate uh, more specific needs that you might only think a nursing home could. And I think mm -hmm. this is where we can definitely help educate the public. Absolutely. You know, great point. There's a couple of key questions that we sort of go through with families um, from an assisted living standpoint to kind of break down the differences because without getting technical, there's different licensure levels for assisted livings. They are actually licensed by the state as healthcare facilities. So um, different licenses can do different things and then different communities have different philosophies. So really shy of things like personal preference for decor, um, location and those kinds of things, we tell families it really kind of comes down to a few things. Is the building a self-evacuate or a defend in place building. So in the event of a fire, is the, is the residents expected to be able to leave that building in case of a fire or do they stay in their room and wait for the fire department to come? That can be important for people, Very especially important. towards end of life. If mom and dad are no longer able, no longer able to walk, they can't stay in those self-evacuate kind of communities. So the first thing we really talk about as a big difference is the self-evacuate versus a defend in place. We then talk a little bit about the level of care. So if it's some cognitive things going on, um, where are mom and dad at with their journey? There are a lot of folks that are just a little pleasantly confused, but they're safe being on their own most of the time. They're not looking for uh, ways to get outside at inappropriate times during the winter or whatever. Um, they're not fiddling with the stove or those kinds of things. They just need some companionship and they need some med management. And those kinds of things are often able to be brought in in a small kind of home-like right. setting um, versus looking at some other type of communities where maybe if mom's cognitive journey is causing that exit seeking or some behaviors that are being induced by the, their disease path, but really kind of not good to have around the home, um, there are some true memory care communities that can take care of that. So again, care level, cognitive, do we need to look at a secure community because mom and dad have some behaviors going on? Or can we look at something smaller where really they're just alone and need some med management? Conversely, things like medical care. Uh, we work with a lot of folks that are diabetics. Some communities by law cannot inject a resident with their insulin if that resident's ever unable to. And some communities can. Even beyond that, the communities that can, some of them force their residents to do it themselves until they're unsafe, and some won't let their residents do it at all, whether they'd like to. So there's little nuances, not only in the licensing, but also in what each community believes in and doesn't. And that's kind of some of the things um, that we usually go through with families, understanding the self-evacuate versus the defendant place, where we are with our acuity, and then finally, you know, the spend down. And we're not lawyers by any stretch of the imagination, but we help families understand until you get to $2,500 in assets, the government's not gonna help with anything. So 
what does that journey look down? What's what's allowed? What's not allowed to a certain extent? And then being able to find some place appropriate. Um, maybe at the end of the spend down, mom and dad will be appropriate for moving to nursing. Maybe mom and dad want to stay where they're at at the end of the spend down. So understanding those key points really are are kind of the highlights, I guess, of assisted living beyond the the basic decor, um, location, and those kinds of things. So uh, I have to remind our listeners what would be super important is that the two of you travel around to many, many different communities in the state. So you have a feel for the areas, what services are available and things like that. So to tap into you as a free resource and say, okay, here's what's going on with my family even though I live in this part of the state, my family member wants to remain in this other part of the state, you know what communities are there. You can save someone an incredible amount of legwork. You know, the internet is wonderful, but you could go down that rabbit hole and be spending hours of searching things when they could talk to you and get a wealth of information based on their particular situation. It's kind of something like a, a real estate agent. You could spend hours online looking for things, but if, if you deal with a real estate agent, you say, um, I, you know, I can't take a house that's less than three bedrooms. It has to be all on one floor. I need two bathrooms. They will know what your specific needs are, and then they can come up with a plan and say, okay, here are properties that would be pertinent to you where you can then say, here are communities that would meet the needs of your family member. So I, I can't even imagine why someone would want to take on all this work alone when they could have access to a wonderful resource. And that's a great um, example of what we do, being that real estate agent, I think. With specific we, clientele. Yeah, I, I think that you you want to be able to tell us what you're looking for, what your needs are, and we try to, to stay ahead of that. So when you call us, we try to already know what communities are prepared to take on whatever you're going through. Um, <clears throat> there's so many different things to even consider with one community. So mm -hmm. trying to compare multiple, trying to look on the internet, you know, we get families that just say, I don't even know where to start. Like it, it is just so overwhelming. And when you're dealing with a sick family member or a family member that's going through that cognitive journey, you don't want to think about looking for a place that's going to help them down the stairs or if they're going to stay, you, you don't even want to think about that. So that one call to us hopefully will help you know right away that we have a spot that we can refer you to. And on the other side of it, <clears throat> excuse me, we try to know all of those other partners that can help you with your Medicaid planning and your finance planning and all of that, you know, having the entire state has been a huge benefit mm. to know everybody everywhere and say, yeah, we have, we have a guy where you live and we've worked with him before and this is what he can do for you. Or so, even in some cases, we have a guy, it doesn't matter where you live. And absolutely. That's right very true. Somebody else that can cover the whole entire state, which is a, a big benefit. 
I'll date myself and say that the two of you have an amazing Rolodex of, of <gasps> information. <laughs> that is so true. We do. You know, we tried to um, we tried to make sure when we first got started that we had connected with the right resources for folks in every part of the state and and. You know, people from New Hampshire can relate to this. The seacoast is different than Manchester, is different than Keene and North Conway. Absolutely. So it was about knowing what resources were available and in real time too. I think um, I think one of the things that we hear occasionally is a question from families, if we live in Meredith, how do we know what's going on in a certain area? So one of the things we've actually done this summer, we are in Raymond in our camper um, because we're literally a half hour from Manchester, Derry, and Hampton, where we're going to end up this week doing some visits to some communities and some other things. We're touring with a family tomorrow. So we believe in being in those areas, connecting with the folks in those areas. People want to stay home. So if you want to stay home and you reach out to us first, we want to make sure we can connect you with the right homemaker services, um, folks that have availability, folks that work in your neighborhood and those kinds of things. Um, and, be, and, and even conversely beyond that, those folks become referral partners for us as well. So it's sort of a mutually beneficial thing. Absolutely. You, you certainly lot of great are a one call does it all kind of shop, which I think in this day and age for people, it just simplifies your life, especially if you're caring for a loved one and trying to find that next step in the journey for them. You may be dealing with the finances, the health care, probably trying to work full time at the same time. So to be able to do a one call does it all and have your network of resources and your knowledge is critically important to most people. And we appreciate that. You know, and even beyond that, we, um, because of our statewide footprint, we'll get special room rates in different communities that are having census challenges um, or e even one of the things that I find that's maybe a little bit of a knock against a lot of our partners, um, but a lot of assisted livings have a very good referral pipeline from hospitals or skilled nursings and terrible digital footprints. So families could look online and completely miss the perfect community for their loved one because the website's terrible. So just knowing what the inside of the buildings look like, what the food tastes, um, who, who changed the directors of nursing last month those kinds of things certainly helps to make sure we're making the right referrals for families. And, and, you know, there's a bed for everybody. It's just a matter, a matter of making that right match. Absolutely. So what can you tell me about the other beast that's out there, the continuing care retirement communities and what do they bring to the table? Great question. And I think, um, so very good point. People think of assisted living, they think of nursing homes, and then they think of CCRCs. They think that every community in the state is a quarter of a million dollar buy-in. Um, CCRCs are wonderful. And for folks that are unfamiliar with them, essentially beyond assisted living, we're all familiar with nursing homes. They provide skilled rehab. They provide long-term care for folks. CCRCs wrap all of those levels of living together, independent living, assisted living, and skilled nursing. And really the model is, is sort of predicated on being very independent upfront and then needing those services later on. 
So there are a ton of wonderful CCRCs across our state. Some of them are nonprofits. Um, some of them are affiliated with Dartmouth. They, they all have a little bit different flavor like the communities do. Uh, one thing that they all have in common, they all have a massive weight for their independent and for most part for their assistant and their independent as well. But essentially what families do, um, and the theory is you're, you're kind of hedging your bet on what your care is going to cost. So in exchange for a rather large buy-in up front, and sometimes that buy-in is hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes it's tens of thousands of dollars. Um, you are guaranteed access to the continuum of care. So if you're younger, maybe in your early 70s, mid 70s, still really independent, but you've had it with mowing the lawn, worrying about the roof leaking and those kinds of things, I think they can make a lot of sense because you do get a reduced rate on your rent. Um, you get a lot of benefits for your buy-in. The trick becomes if you're further in your journey and you're not going to be able to access those independent kind of um, those independent options and activities, the longer term care generally tends to be buying in for a really expensive nursing home that you can get to, uh, you can get the same services in an assisted living. So I think for folks that are really super independent that have the resources to be able to buy in and have a long time to wait for their wait list, it's a really good option because you're going to enjoy a ton of time in that independent section that they have. You're going to have your own cottage, your own apartment or whatever, and access to the full continuum of their activities, trips all over the globe, uh, bringing in educational opportunities, arts and those things. Those are wonderful things. And when you need some services as you age in place, you can access those services on campus and never have to worry about going to a Genesis SNP if you don't want to or those kinds of things. So um, I think for families that are really independent, they make a lot of sense. I think a lot of families have that as plan A and then mom and dad's care needs get to the point of where they can't move in at that independent level. And now it's an, oh my God, what, we, what do we do? So there are a ton of wonderful assisted livings very close to most of these CCRCs throughout our state that for a little bit more of a monthly rent, but a considerably less buy-in fee, um, provide as good or better services. And as a matter of fact, to kind of highlight that, the newest CCRC in the state of New Hampshire to open, open their independent and their assisted living first before their, before their I'm sorry, open their assisted living and their skilled nursing before they're independent because they recognize that need to fill that level with a certain level of care and um, hospitality. Not so, yeah, so they're right for the right people, but I think a lot of people find that that's their plan and then they realize the plan has an eight-year wait. So I think our listeners can tell that the two of you have a wonderful background and would be a wonderful resource for any family. If someone wants to contact you to find out more about assisted living or general questions for a family member, how do they reach you? What are the five million ways that they could get a hold of you? <laughs> there is a lot of ways. I can absolutely give you a couple of phone numbers. And um, you can <clears throat> always find us on Facebook and LinkedIn and all of that. Google. But yep, absolutely Google. I forgot about that. So um, we have two numbers and you're only gonna get Glenn or I <clears throat> if you call these numbers. Um, and if you leave a message, I promise we'll call you right back. So the first phone number is 603-470-6825. Or 
393-6452. Now that's Glenn and Christy Badger. They're assisted living locators of New Hampshire. They do, what's your website? It is new, is it assisted living locators? New we have a Hampshire? couple. Yeah, we do have a couple. So, we wanna make sure we- The easy way to, I always remember it, New Hampshire, got assisted living locators.com. There you go. So that's an easy way to find you. This information will be out there. Uh, and you'll be able to replay this podcast a couple of times. If you want to get that phone number, we're on all the major podcast platforms. So you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. So you can play this information and then replay it again for a family member who you might want to share it with and say, wow, you know, I heard this great podcast the other day from this group of really knowledgeable people. And I think it's something that perhaps we should explore a little bit more. So I would like to thank you, Glenn and Christy, and we will have you on again because we can really dive into some of these topics a little bit deeper um, for coming on air and helping to educate our listeners on the different types of living arrangements that can be out there for seniors. It's not one size does it all. There are a lot of different options, but one call does it all. All they have to do is call you and you will get them into the right spot. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Successful Aging. Thank you, Judy. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Successful Aging. Till next time, I'm Judy Porter saying, you may have to age, but you don't have to grow old.